0: Entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go.
1: Welcome to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective for being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM, The Talker, which is part of goal Media. And we are in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is about two hours away from where my guest is. He's in New York City today, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. My special guest with me today wrote a great book. His name is Jonah Sachs. Hi, Jonah. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, Marty. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, you're in New York City, and I'll hold off on that, and we'll talk about that in a second. Jonah Sachs is an author, speaker, and viral marketing trailblazer. Jonah Sachs's work and opinions have been featured in the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, Fox News, NPR, and he's also a column, uh, writes a column for Fast Company. Jonah, congratulations. You finally hit the big time. You're on the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Congratulations.
0: <laughs> I'm glad to have finally arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: um, well, I told you what I was going to ask you, but um, first thing I want to ask you is, what are you doing in New York City?
0: Well, I'm here to launch my new book, Unsafe Thinking. It came out yesterday uh, after a couple years of really hard work and a lot of uh, alone time. I'm out here taking it out to the world. So yeah, just really excited to to get the book out.
1: Yeah, I have a little PR piece here, and I'd like to uh, read this, a kind of a a, a segue or a setup or whatever you want to call it. Um, And again, Jonah's book is Unsafe Thinking, How to Be Nimble and Bold When You Need It Most. And it says in this PR piece, contrary to common wisdom, uh, I want to say his first and last name, Jonah Sachs, contrary to common wisdom, Jonah Sachs Discovered that trailblazers like the ones we're going to talk about today and the ones that are in this book were not born crazy or blessed with golden gut thinking each one used a strategic approach to unleash the inner creative genius in themselves or their teams so jonah your great book did this kind of come from maybe uh, some of your personal challenges
0: yeah, it absolutely did. I kind of was a gut-thinking entrepreneur, started a company when I was 24 to try to use digital media to bring about social change. So it was an advertising agency. And um, we kind of just played around, open creativity, very few rules, experimentation. But I found that as we got more successful, I became more of a, a kind of an expert on digital storytelling. And mm-hmm. so I was asked to give talks. I wrote a book uh, called Winning the Story Wars. And you know people came to me being like, how do you do this stuff? And so I started writing all these rules for it and, um, you know, having more answers and I had questions. I stopped exploring and Mm. started just sort of codifying how I did what I did Mm. and started enforcing those rules in my growing agency so that we could kind of get predictable and keep up with demand. The company was really growing, but I realized that we were losing our creative edge. I could really feel it and I could see the culture was changing. But I was so dependent on that way of operating, even though I knew it would eventually take us over a cliff because the world of digital marketing changes so quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a real personal crisis for me. You know, This was 15 years into running a business that had always worked, and suddenly I felt it was not gonna be working anymore. Mm. So I went out and I talked to every person that I could think who would talk to me who I had seen kind of boldly change their company, boldly change themselves, uh, asking how they did it, and then realized that stories wouldn't be enough. So started reading the sciences on, on creativity and performance. And out of that personal journey, I'm um, glad to say I broke out of that safe-thinking rut and then wrote a book about it.
1: What's the best way for people to connect with you? Because they're going to want to do that. Uh, Twitter, your website. Tell us the best way for people to connect with you after they hear this great interview.
0: Yeah, uh S-A-C-H-S. Or um at Jonas Axe on Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm I've been having this awesome conversations with pe- people, early readers of the book and very active in, in responding to people. So I'd love to hear what people think and yeah. you know, questions my people might have. Some of this stuff is kinda counterintuitive and provocative. So I get a I get a lot of engagement and angry comments on some of <laughs> <like> that stuff.
1: <laughs> it is counterintuitive. I gotta be honest, you know, uh as I read it, you were challenging me, and I'm going like, huh, okay, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Should we really do that? <laughs> so so, uh, yeah, so I, it, it, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to shake me up and your readers up a little bit. So you tell a lot of stories, and, and, and I, 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 it was a great way to do the book, first of all. One of the stories, I think right at, right at the beginning, you talk about the former CEO of pets.com. Share that story with us and how it connects to unsafe thinking.
0: Yeah. So I was really interested in what motivates people to take tremendous risk and then how people after failure pick themselves up and get back on their horses. And I thought, you know, who is the biggest failure in popular culture, in internet (laughs) culture? And uh, it turned out it was a a woman named Julie Wainwright, who was the CEO of Um, pets.com. Pets.com was no different than all the other companies that burst in the bubble, except that they had that crazy sock puppet and sort of was like a it was a sort of symbol of excess in Silicon Valley. And when the company went bust, she lost her personal fortune. Her husband left her on the day that she had to close the office down. And, uh, you know, the press camped out on her lawn. And, you know, Pets.com is still synonymous with internet failure. And I wanted to see what she was up to. And um, actually, it turns out that she's founded a billion dollar uh, startup at this point um, called The Real Real, which is an online consignment shop, uh, basically very high end goods. People want to get rid of, you know, they, they can't be verified by eBay. So they're sold by the real, real. And I was kind of amazed that she had stepped back into this arena and done so in a kind of quiet way where no no one really knows about what she's doing. She's still not trying to necessarily go and tell that story about how she's picked herself up. She's just gone out and done it. And um, one of the things I was investigating when I was thinking and talking to her was what what really motivates people to do these things and i think there's a bit of a myth out there that um you know people either do things for money and you know the kind of extrinsic rewards um or they're internally motivated they love what they love the work and they couldn't care less and that these we fall into these two kind of camps of motivation yeah. and what i learned from her was most you know that 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 view of motivation has really been been wrong and that most entrepreneurs toggle back and forth between this desire to build esteem, to make money, to uh, capture something they love, to create an Im- impact for the world. And the ones that really uh, do it well aren't turning away from that basic desire to be successful um, and just pretending that they're all altruistic and, and sure. in love with their craft. Yeah. But they're also um, you know, deep, they're deeply involved with both types of motivation. And I learned from her that if you have that kind of synergistic motivation, you can pick yourself up from some pretty difficult failures and get back in the ring. So I I was really impressed with how she challenged herself to get back on it.
1: I was impressed also, and I did not know that story. Um, That was the fascinating story. And again, if you're already uh, kind of engaged with our conversation, uh, I am speaking with Jonah Sachs. His last name is spelled S-A-C-H-S. His book is Unsafe Thinking, How to Be Nimble and Bold When You Need It Most – It sounded like Julie needed it most at that time. She she adjusted, pivoted, whatever the words are, in an unconventional way. So another thing that I really like from the book is the idea, and you kind of referred to it to yourself a little bit, transforming yourself from an expert to an explorer. An expert to an explorer. Tell me what you mean by that and, and, and give me more details on that.
0: So the more expertise you have um, in a game that never changes, like a game of chess, uh, the better you're going to be at it. You'll see patterns faster. You'll know how to react. And you'll be able to sort of search your memory very quickly to do the right thing because the game never changes. But in games where the rules are uncertain or where the rules keep changing, uh, that kind of level of expertise can often be a thinking trap. And there's some fascinating work by a guy named Philip Tetlock who studied experts across 20 years. 200 experts got tens of thousands of predictions. He found his experts were able to make predictions worse than dart-throwing monkeys. And you know, that was <laughs> dart-throwing monkeys. How was that even possible? <laughs> that even possible. Um, he just said that, you know, yeah. people as they gain expertise, as they attach their ego to what they think that they know, <clears throat> and as yeah. they gain esteem from the outside world for knowing things, it's basically that having more answers than questions idea. Yeah. They start to see that every new piece of data fits neatly into an old model of thinking. And so every, every problem is just a new flavor of a problem they've solved before. And that's just not how the world works anymore. So they can become into these delusional states and often do, and it's called entrenchment, where yeah. they'll lock themselves into one way of thinking, get defensive if anyone challenges them. And, you know, that's where I was getting to. I used sure. to be an explorer of storytelling. And now I was uh, becoming more and more of this anointed expert. And that started shutting my thinking down. And so, you know, one of the things that we really need to do is spend time doing things that we're no good at. Do things that you suck at and those knowledge networks start to break down. They find that people who live abroad for six months uh, are yeah. better on creativity tests than yeah. people who don't because they've be, they've made themselves beginner, beginners again at some point in their lives. Yeah. We can do that actually without going abroad just by trying things that humble us and remind us that we don't know everything yeah. and get out of our lane of expertise. Also, when we go into other worlds, we bring back analogies and new ideas into the things that we do. So when I say an explorer I don't mean, you know, just be a beginner, don't even try to pursue knowledge or expertise. Go for knowing everything you possibly can, learn as much as you can, but never attach your ego or sense of self-worth to what you know.
1: Yeah, and you talk about some failures in the book we won't go into there, but uh where people got entrenched in their thinking and uh you know, there's a story of uh you know, hospitals and airline pilots and stuff like that where they they just didn't uh, take in uh, some new thoughts or new uh new expertise. Uh, The other story, and again, there's many of them, we can't cover them all, Jonah, but uh, talk to us about the uh, CVS executive who, uh, I guess, led the way in this idea of have CVS stop selling tobacco. What the hell was that about?
0: (laughs) So, 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 wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was really interested in how big conservative cultures um, can embrace unsafe thinking as well. I just knew it wouldn't be enough to just talk about, you know, internet startups and right. um, and ventures. So I, I was really impressed with CVS. I had known that they had stopped selling tobacco and remained the only pharmacy uh, to do, pharmacy chain to do so. Yeah. Uh, they got a lot of press for it, but I wondered, you know, have they lost a lot of money? Is this actually sustainable? And when I got into it, I found that the woman, Helena Folks, who led that charge Um, the reason that it happened was she was on the team that was involved in defining the core purpose of CVS. And they Ah. came up with a pretty bland purpose, which is, you know, delivering health and wellness to people, you know, okay, who could argue with that? But she was also a cancer survivor and she realized that delivering health and wellness was not really in line with selling $2 billion a year of tobacco products. Ah. And she wasn't the only one who had those stirrings of concern, but everyone was like, well, how do you take $2 billion off your books? Yeah. That's
1: a a legitimate question, by the way, (laughs) John. I mean, how do you take that to the board? (laughs) This is what I'm thinking about. Holy (laughs) moly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
0: (laughs) So she wasn't the only one who was worried, but she was the only one who said, who asked herself a really brilliant, simple question. She said, we're never going to do this if we're going to lose money. Is there any way we can make more money by not selling tobacco? And at first that question sounded, you know, difficult to really answer. But she saw the world around her was changing, and the book is really about understanding how the world is changing. Yeah. And in her case, healthcare markets were changing, so that if they could bolster their brand and take a bold step towards health and wellness, they would be more competitive in certain in certain uh, Obamacare contracts. Right. And she made this argument that they could actually make more money if they cut tobacco sales, even though it questioned the conventional wisdom of a you know massive organization. Yeah. And what happened was her bosses. Before approving the idea, because she had a pretty compelling argument, they made her the head of retail. So not only was she going to lose $2 billion off the books, she was going to lose $2 billion off her own books. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) that gave her pause for a second. Yeah, Uh, that's a new (laughs) challenge. (laughs) But she went ahead and did it. And, uh, you know, CVS in the first year made $11 billion in new revenue uh, for the $2 billion that they lost. And, um, you know, I just thought this is not an idea. This is not a crazy person with a crazy idea doing wild things. This is a really structured thinker yeah. who sees past that kind of spell of conformity in an organization and doesn't say it is because it has to be this way. She right. asked, you know, why does it have to be this way, and was able to uncover some pretty obvious um, way forward to get her get her goals met. Stay here for more of the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf.
1: My friends at NastPartners.com asks you, who will take you there? The Predictive Index allows you to decode the complexities of your people and realize what drives workplace behaviors so you can ensure alignment, reach your team's true potential, and achieve your business objectives faster than ever. The Predictive Index uses proven science to help you manage across the hire-to-retire life cycle with scientifically validated workforce assessments that provide high-impact insights in minutes. That's the Predictive Index. Learn more at nastpartners.com. That's my friend Dave Nast at nastpartners.com. That's N-A-S-T, nastpartners.com my guest is Jonah Sachs. His last name is S-A-C-H-S. His book is Unsafe Thinking, How to Be Nimble and Bold When You Need It Most. He's talking about that. Tell us again, Jonah, the best way for people to connect with you.
0: Uh, JonahSachs.com or at Jonah Sachs on Twitter, LinkedIn. You can find me uh, almost anywhere.
1: Now, hey, Business Builder Show uh, listeners, be nice to Jonah. Don't, I mean, you know, you can discuss <laughs> things, but be nice to him. He, you know, he's 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 doing a service here. He's sharing some good <laughs> insights with us. Okay, so... Fast moving, lots going on. This is almost an unfair question, but I'm going for it. I'm going to do some unsafe thinking. Where is this thing that you're calling unsafe thinking needed the most? Maybe in America, maybe in the world. What's your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, so I've been involved in um, helping businesses transform for a long time and helping them move towards more um, purpose-driven work and more social impact. And so I'm really concerned with, um, you know, the environment, human rights, and also just the sort of state of our political life. Yeah. And I feel like what, what too often happens is we'll have big, bold, interesting ideas, um, that sound good on the surface, but really require, um, mindset change from organizations mm. and from business leaders, political leaders. Um, and when, New ideas meet old mindsets. they tend to die, get mm-hmm. watered down and just become incremental improvements. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we are in an age now of you know all kinds of social, political, economic challenges, um, whether it's you know, disappearing middle class environmental crises, uh, a, a civility crisis in politics that businesses um, and political leaders can have a huge impact on if they're willing to sort of see the world in a new where, new way and let go of some old models. What we get instead, I think, are these kind of Band-Aid solutions. uh, And we're really attracted to these bold, flashy, quick fixes. And so, um, you know, the idea of the book is really when you've got something that you want to do that is transformative uh, for your business or for the world, how do you move it through all the roadblocks, first in your own mind, uh, that make you fear even trying, and then through your teams and then the larger organization and society. And so I just think we could use a lot more – big, bold ideas, but also self-reflective leaders who know how to move those ideas forward.
1: So you made me think this wasn't in my notes. I think it's give direct. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Give direct directly. Give directly. Um, That's a great story that ties to what you just said. So talk to talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. So the uh, international aid industry, if you will, moves tens of billions of dollars on this one simple premise, which is this idea of you know, uh, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. We can't just give money away to poor people because they won't know what to do with it. So we make all these, you know, training programs and we tell them how to use their money. We build stuff for them. Um, Some Harvard economists had this interesting idea, which was like, well, what if that conventional wisdom was actually wrong? What if poor people actually know what to do with money that we give them and we don't have to tell them? And they tried it. You know, they try to test. And and one of the things I've learned is that, you know, you've got to test these things based on data. You might go on gut feel, which I talk a lot in the book about, but you've got to do small tests to see if your gut feel is right because it can Mm -hmm. often be wrong. Mm -hmm. They started sending $1,000 at a time to people in Kenya, no questions asked. Um, Google told them that they were smoking crack when they went to Google looking for money. (laughs) Um, But they spent their own money on it. And they found that people in Kenya would get this money on their cell phones and they would know exactly what to do with it. They yeah. would get much-needed medical care. They would fix up their houses. They'd send their kids to school. Yeah. And uh, there was no question about using it for, for gambling or alcohol because they were so in need of this small amount of money that, that transformed their lives. And they also found they could get that money to people much cheaper than if they were running these expensive programs through corrupt officials, etc. Yeah. Um, and what they took away from it was like, look, when you see somebody in America who is desperately poor, they may be on the outskirts of society and giving them money might make their situation work worse. Yes. But in these villages where everybody makes a dollar a day, these people are very much in the mainstream. And it's a totally different context, but no one could see that. And so GiveDirectly is now one of the top rated charities in the world, and they've raised more than $30 million just to give away. And yeah. they don't get too concerned with making sure that every individual is spending it exactly correctly, and, and some don't, but most, the vast majority do. What they're very concerned with is measuring their overall impact and reporting it very transparently because still most people think it's crazy or maybe even immoral to do what they're doing and i just i just love the the it's change a, in the impact that they were having, fantastic. um, yeah, and the willingness, the willingness to be kind of laughed at, uh,
1: yeah. Going, yeah. And you good. have, you have several stories like that, <laughs> of people yeah. pulling down their pants. Uh, you know, <laughs> now I, I, you're going to have to read that. the book to listen to them. Don't tell that story, John. We're, that, <laughs> that's a tease, you know, you know, what I, uh, so f- fascinating, a lot of great stories, really uh, unsafe thinking. So let's, uh, we need to wrap up a little bit, but I can't let this one sit. I've got to ask this. I don't know if this is for information or entertainment. I'm not sure. But here's my question. Is the existing president of the United States an unsafe thinker? (laughs) Go.
0: I I have been asked this a few times. Okay, brother. Um, Go. So I was writing the book uh, when the 2016 election happened, and – When Trump won, I was, you know, really thinking, well, how does this fit? Right. Because unsafe thinking is really about disruption. It's about moving in ways that people don't think uh, traditional ways of thinking or ways people think is crazy, but actually has makes some sense. I think in those ways, you know, the Trump campaign and Trump himself have exemplified, you know, disruptive thinking. Yeah. But what I believe is different about what I'm talking about than what our president is doing is that. Uh the kind of unsafe confrontation that I'm pushing for really starts with yourself. It starts with breaking some of those impulsive patterns of behavior that keep us acting in the same way. So, um, I'm not seeing that from our president. You know, I I think that that probably we could all agree that he's, he's rather impulsive and not self reflective. And while, um, what I found was that people who reach a very high level of success, um, only set themselves up for more disaster in their personal lives and in their impact in the world if they can't adjust as the to the new stages that they get on and if they can't adjust to uh, changing changing uh contexts so i wish him well i hope he um you know can help can 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 ride this one out but i I think that until we understand our own mindsets and our own mental models and work to improve them we're always going to be stuck at a certain level of performance and that's really what the book is about
1: Yeah. And this is where this challenged uh, me. I'm not considered an expert in anything, but the, (laughs) the thought process was as I'm reading and thinking, well, no, but there are some things that I do say to my clients pretty regular. Is that really right? Let me think that through. <laughs> Let me do a little more research. <laughs> uh, thank God, most of the time I think I'm right and I challenge myself, but I think challenge yourself the way you're thinking, the way you're acting, and and you can do this in teams. And I also think challenge, like I'm, I'm blessed to have several clients where I sit in and I kind of help facilitate management meetings. And the lessons that I'm sharing with them from your book is to say, you know, challenge that statement, challenge that move. And, and, and let's look at that a little deeper. I I've actually used the word. Let's do some unsafe thinking uh, and giving you credit, Absolutely. by the way. So <laughs> thank you. So my guest is Jonah Sachs, S-A-C-H-S. His book is Unsafe Thinking, How to Be Nimble and Bold When You Need It Most. Tell us one more time how people can get in touch with you, Jonah.
0: Uh, Jonasachs.com or at Jonas Sachs on Twitter, also on LinkedIn. Hey,
1: it's been a lot lot of fun uh, chatting with you. Good luck in New York City today. I know the book is going to be a huge success. So thanks so much for being part of the show, Jonah.
0: Marty, thanks for the great questions and, uh, yeah, for letting me share some stories.
1: Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Reminding you to find our show and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to The Business Builder Show, but stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network.
0: Bringing the business classroom to you, it's The Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf.
1: As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio Show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builder Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking, all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.